This is Mitchell McLam, lead pastor of Sapona Road Church in Fayetteville, North Carolina. We're so excited you found our podcast. Our prayer is that you're blessed by today's message. If you would like more information about Sapona Road Church or would like to give to this ministry, please visit our website at saponaroadchurch.com. We hope you have a great day and enjoy today's message. passage of scripture to you and then I'm going to jump in. This is in Luke chapter 24. I like the way the gospel of Luke records a couple of these different words, a couple of these different phrases, and I think that they're important for kind of where we're headed today. So I'm going to follow the, um, I'm going to follow Luke's gospel throughout the story today, and I want to read this to you. In Luke chapter 24, I'm going to begin reading with verse 1, and I'm going to read through verse 12. It says, But very early on Sunday morning, the women went to the tomb, taking the spices they had prepared. They found, that, they found that the stone had been rolled away from the entrance, so they went in. But they didn't find the body of the Lord Jesus. We could stop right there. We could throw a party. We could go home, and that'd be the end of this. That would be perfectly okay with me. They did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. As they stood there puzzled, two men suddenly appeared to them clothed in dazzling robes. The women were terrified and bowed with their faces to the ground. Then the men asked, listen to this question, why are you looking among the dead for someone who is alive? He isn't here. He's risen from the dead. Remember what he told you back in Galilee? Remember, he's told you this would take place. He gave you his word. Remember what he told you in Galilee, that the Son of Man must be betrayed into the hands of the sinful men and be crucified, that he would rise again on the third day. Then they remembered that he said this. Verse 9 says, So they rushed back from the tomb to the eleven disciples and everyone else to tell them what had happened. It was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary the mother of Jesus, and several other women who told the apostles what happened. But the story story sounded like nonsense to the men. Men, let's just be honest, sometimes the women tell us some things that sound like nonsense, right? The, The story sounded like nonsense to the men, so they didn't believe it. However, Peter jumped up and ran to the tomb to look. Stooping, he peered in and saw an empty, uh, saw the empty linen wrappings. He saw the empty linen wrappings, then he went home again wondering what had happened come on Peter why are you wondering what had happened Jesus told you what was going to happen this is an interesting uh situation to me I can't imagine what it was like that Sunday morning I'm, I'm more so can't imagine what it would have been like on Friday we call it Good Friday, and if you watched um, my, my videos throughout the week at all, you saw one that I posted yesterday for Friday and Saturday together. I really can't imagine, uh, you know, we call that Good Friday, but realistically as Christians, we understand that the death had to take place. We understand Jesus had to die. It was to fulfill prophecy. But in my heart of hearts, I can't accept the fact that that was good. I can't accept the fact that my Savior being beaten, being crucified to to die, suffering death on a cross, I can't accept the fact that that's necessarily good. And so here his disciples have watched him. Friday became a dark day, literally. The Bible says that at noon the, the sun disappeared, the lightness was gone from the sun, and darkness covered the whole land. For three hours, Jesus hung his final hours on the cross, and he's hanging between two criminals, one of which is mocking Jesus. Hey, why don't you just get down? The other one recognizes, hey, there's something to this guy. One enters into the heaven that day, and the other one does not. 
And at three o'clock, the Bible says that the ground began to shake and there was a trembling across the land and rocks began to split. And then the veil that separated the presence of God from the people, the veil that separated the presence of God from the people was ripped from top to bottom to open that communication forever. The veil that separated the presence of God from the people was ripped to open the line of communication forever. That means that the presence of God now is no longer bound to a temple. It's no longer bound to a constraint. But you and I can have the full presence of God living in our life of every moment of every day. And it was dark. At 3 o'clock, a man named Joseph shows up. And he goes to Pilate, he says, hey, I want to I bury Jesus' body. Pilate's mind blown that Jesus has actually died this fast. And he said, well, if he's dead, sure, take his body. Joseph, being a rich man, had already purchased his tomb. He already knew where he himself was going to lay one day, the day that he finally took his last breath. And he buried Jesus in this tomb. And they sealed the tomb with a stone. And Jesus laid there dead, lifeless. There was no life in him whatsoever. Saturday rolled around. I can't imagine what Saturday must have felt like. It had to have been filled with defeat. I can't imagine being Peter who's just denied even knowing Jesus the night before. Now here on Saturday, his friend is dead and in the ground. I can't imagine the hopelessness that was felt all around. The disciples, the followers of Christ, even the closest must have felt that this whole thing is over. They were so concerned, the, the leaders were so concerned that, that the disciples were going to come and try to make something up of Jesus raising from the dead. They, that they said, hey, they're going to come and get his body and take it from the tomb and make everybody believe he's raised from the dead. Put some soldiers down by the tomb so that nobody can go in, nobody can touch him. Here the disciples on Saturday, they lost their friend, their leader their mission, their Messiah, and they lost their hope. They had accepted death as their final answer. How you know this, Pastor? Well, the women were headed to the tomb to anoint Jesus with spices that were designed to preserve his body and try and hold back the stink when he began to rot. In their minds, he's dead. In their minds, he's not coming back to life. His body is going to decay. It's going to rot. We need to embalm him. We need to anoint him. They had accepted death. They encountered the angels and they're mind blown and they realize that there's more to the story and so they head back to tell the disciples and then when they show up to the disciples where everybody's gathered, I just told you, the men thought it's nonsense. Why? Because they had accepted death. Even though Jesus has laid it all out, I've got to be tried. I've got to be beaten. I've got to be crucified so that I can raise. He's laid it out clearly. He's given them the word. Yet now here these disciples have a hard time believing. They can't accept it because they've accepted death. Even Peter 
takes off running to the tomb. He gets there and he rushes in. And we, we see in another gospel that, that John and Peter actually go together. And John slows down. He kind of peeks in a little bit. And Peter just beelines past him and runs in to check it all out. But then when even they get back to the house, they're, they're mind blown. They don't know what to make of it because they've accepted death. We can't blame them. It's easy for us to point fingers. Well, I would have believed, well, would you? See, you and I have the end of the story. We have four different accounts of the gospels telling us exactly what took place. We have the church being born in the book of Acts and we have it being raised up and we see thousands of people come to follow Christ later after this moment. It's easy to point fingers and say, well, they should have believed. If he said he's going to raise again, he's going to raise again. But do we? See, you and I have accepted death in so many situations of our life. We've accepted defeat Rather than taking Jesus at his word, what's our excuse? Their excuse is they didn't have the book. What's ours? So it leads me to a question. I told you this is a very simple, simple Easter message today. It leads me to the question that the angels asked those ladies. Why are you looking among the dead? For somebody that's alive. What does that have to do with us? Well, it's hopeless, remember? Jesus is in the tomb. He's in the ground. And they show up looking in the graveyard for Jesus who had told them he was going to be risen on the third day. And you and I, if we're not careful in the hopeless times of life, we go and we search for hope everywhere else but the source of life. We, we look for hope in places that there is no hope. Maybe we're confused. Maybe you've never been told where to go find hope. I'm so glad you're here today because I'm about to tell you where your hope can come from. What happens is we look among the dead for something living. And when you and I consume dead things, and dead things begin to consume our life, then you and I begin to die. Rather than consuming life, rather than than tapping into the life source to live, you and I are consuming dead things, attempting to find hope. We're looking for the same common thing they were. They showed up at the tomb, they're looking, is Jesus really alive? Did it really happen? Nah, that ain't even possible. Jesus gave them his word. See, he's true to his word. I know that. They didn't. I know that when he looked at them and said, it's got to happen. It's got to take place that I'm going to be betrayed by my closest. I'm going to go before the people and the people, the same people, remember last Sunday, that welcomed me into Jerusalem, that laid down their their garments before me, they praised my name, they lifted me up as their king. They're the ones that are yelling, crucify him on Friday. He said it had to happen. It had to happen so that I could go into the ground. I could go into the grave. I could go into hell and defeat Satan himself to overcome and to raise again on, on Sunday morning. I know Jesus is true to his word. They didn't. Therefore, I can take 
Jesus at his word when he says, don't fear because I'm with you. I could take him at his word when he says, he knows the plans for you and for I, plans to prosper, not to harm her. I can take him at his word when he says that I can have hope in the Lord because he renews my strength. I can take him at his word when he says, although I press through the waters and the rivers and the fire, he's with me and I won't be burned. I can take him at his word when he says he's the resurrection and the life. I can take him at his word whenever he says he's faithful. I can take him at his word when he says, I, I, I will be given, ask, and it'll be given to me. I can take him at his word when he says the same power that raised Jesus from the grave on that Sunday morning lives within you and I. I can take Jesus at his word. See, I can take him at his word because his presence is real in my life. This takes a twist for a moment. And stay with me because this might be funny to you, but I promise there's something here. Luke records this later down the line in his gospel in chapter 24, verse 35. He says that the two from uh, Emmaus, there's, Jesus has appeared to these two people walking down the street, and he's had a time of conversation. They show back up. He said that the two told their story of how Jesus had appeared to them, and they're walking along the road, and how, he recognized, uh, they, how they had recognized him as he was breaking bread. And just as they were telling about it, Jesus himself suddenly standing there among them, Peace be with you, he said. In a hopeless situation, they're sitting around mourning. They're struggling. They're confused. God, you said you were going to raise from the dead. You said this is going to take place. I don't get why we're here. And right in the middle of the moment, Jesus shows up and says, peace be with you. His presence is in the room. The whole group was startled and frightened thinking they were seeing a ghost. He said, why are you frightened? In verse 38, why are you frightened? Why are your hearts filled with doubt? Look at my hands, look at my feet. You can see it's really me. Touch me and make sure I'm not a ghost because ghosts don't have bodies as you see that I do. As he spoke, he showed them his hands and his feet. Still they stood there in disbelief, filled with joy and wonder. Then he asked them, hey, is there anything here to eat? You'd chuckle. But you know what that told me? They gave him a piece of broiled fish and they watched as he ate it. Here's what the Lord said I felt it so deep in my heart. Is there anything here to eat? For him to be in the room. For his presence to be there among them. For him to ask for something to eat. He had to really be there. Jesus, the same Jesus that Friday afternoon at 3 o'clock, he hung lifeless on a cross. 24 hours later, he's laid up in a tomb on Saturday. And they're so afraid people are going to manipulate the gospel. They post guards up at the tomb. 48 hours later, here we are, now Sunday. And he's asking for something to eat in the presence of his disciples. See, here's what, what I figured out. We are looking for dead, we're, we're looking for uh, among the dead for someone that's alive. Jesus was 100% alive when he stepped into the room and said, peace be with you. 
He wasn't a ghost. It wasn't a figment of their imagination. It wasn't something crazy made up. It wasn't even them looking for through spiritual eyes. How do I know? He said, hey, you got something to eat? Let me prove to you that I am real and that I'm right here. I need something to eat. See, you and I take and take and take and take. And Jesus gives and he gives and he gives and he gives. But in this moment, he said, hey, you got something for me to eat? The realization of the presence of Jesus is so overwhelming. They sat so confused but with joy and wonder and they watched him eat a piece of fish. This song that you hear playing is a song that simply says, your presence is my greatest weapon. Depression has to flee. Lies are going to be broken. Anything coming against you has to be broken because his presence is your greatest weapon. Jesus is standing literally in your living room today asking, hey, you got something to eat? Can you give me something? Can you give me something to sustain me? I'm here. I'm fullness. Jesus said, I am 100% present in your life. I'm not in the ground anymore. I've raised, and now I'm right here standing among you. My presence is real. Quit looking among the dead for something that's alive. The hope that you need to carry you through, the hope that we need to take us through to tomorrow and into next week and through next month up until the next year and the rest of my life. The hope that I need isn't among the dead, it's among the living and the presence of God is full in my life and all you gotta do is give him something to eat. Recognize that I don't have to take, 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 take. I can slow down long enough to say, thank you, Jesus, just for showing up today and saying, peace be still. Thank you, Jesus, for being present in every moment of every day. When my perception, the angel said, why are you looking among the dead for the living? It's all about my perception. It's all about where and what I'm looking for. When I'm in the hopeless, dark situation, when I need God to move in my life, when I, God, I'm, I'm dealing with this struggle, I've got this thing, Lord, we're, we're bound up, we don't know what's going on, we don't know what tomorrow holds. My focus is on the thing where Jesus' presence is full in the situation. I'm asking God, move, God, move, God, move. But if I focus my eyes on Jesus saying, hey, you got something to eat? Yeah, I sure do, Lord. Here's you a piece of fish. All the rest of the mess is completely okay because I'm no longer looking among the dead for what's living. My eyes are fixed on what's alive in my life. Simple message today. God's presence in your life is going to be your greatest weapon to overcome every destruction, every hopelessness, every doubt, every fear, every insecurity, every unknown situation. The presence of God in your life is the greatest weapon you can have, but you gotta see it. If you're not seeing it, he might as well not be there. Don't see the situation. 
Don't see the hopelessness. Open your eyes and recognize that Jesus is standing right among you saying, hey, peace be with you. Can I have something to eat? Father, God, maybe there's somebody that's watching or listening to this. God, that they don't have hope. They don't have joy on this Easter Sunday morning, this resurrection day. They're clueless to what I'm talking about. Lord, I pray in the name of Jesus, Holy Spirit, I pray that you move on their heart. God, that they feel you drawing them to yourself. That right now, wherever they are, they would feel something taking place. Their their heart would be fluttery and their mind would, would be moved, Father. They would recognize there's something supernatural taking place in their life. They recognize they have a need for you. Father, I want to pray for those people today. If you're out there and you're listening and you don't know Jesus. We can't let this resurrection day go by without giving you an opportunity to know him because he's real, he's alive, and he wants his presence to fill your life. I'm gonna pray a simple prayer and I wanna ask that wherever you are, if you need God to come into your life, you simply repeat that prayer. Jesus, I'm a sinner. I've learned something new today and that is that I need you. I have no hope, I have no joy, but I need you to give me both of those. I recognize that you died on a cross that I could be free. I need forgiveness. Forgive me for my sins. You gave your life for me, now I give you mine. Change me, make me new, in Jesus' name. If you prayed that prayer today, and they weren't just empty words, but you truly meant it, I believe that eternity has changed. The Bible says that, that the heaven's angels are rejoicing for you today. You need God to be present in your life. We're going to pray two ways. First of all, your perception's got to change. They were looking among the dead for what was alive. You're looking in the wrong place. Your life can be full of hope when you recognize the presence of Jesus. We're praying for your perception to change. And we're praying that God would become so real to you that it wouldn't be a head knowledge. It would be something that's burning within you. As you turn your perception and you look for the presence of God in every moment of every day that God would make himself known to you in a way like you've never seen it before. As you begin to pray, as you begin to, to read your word, as you begin to have a conversation and a relationship with the Lord like you've never had, his presence would be so real and it would become your greatest weapon against hopelessness. Father, God, I pray for every person Lord, that's under the sound of my voice. God, time has no bounds, Father, whether it be today, whether it be 10 years from now, Lord, I pray for every person that's under the sound of my voice. Father, I pray that your presence would consume the place that they're sitting, God. Lord, that they would feel you in a way they've not felt you before, Lord, that it would be just like the day that the Holy Spirit fell on the upper room, God, that there would be a sound in the room. Lord, there would be an atmosphere shifting in this moment. God, they would recognize your presence is so real in the room where they are. 
God, today we pray for a change of perception. We're no longer looking among the dead for dead things, God, but we're looking, God, to the living things, God. We're keeping our head up, recognizing that you are the one true king, recognizing that you are the resurrection and the life. We pick our head up rather than looking down. We're changing our perception. We're not looking among the dead for anything else anymore. God, and as we change our perception, God, I pray that your fullness of joy would overwhelm our life. God, we see you sitting back just asking for something to eat. Lord, waiting for us to communicate with you, waiting for us to commune with you, waiting for us just to share our day with you, God, waiting for us to partake of your word as we simply give back to you, Lord, in those moments. God, not asking, not, 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 not begging, not looking at anything else. God, we've turned our hope. We, we turned our focus to the things that are alive, and we're simply creating relationship with you so that your presence would overwhelm our life. God, I pray that your presence be made so real that there's no denying it, Father. It's unmistakable because your presence, God, is our greatest weapon. I thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I love you. I'm so thankful for you. I hope that today you throw a resurrection party and that the presence of God would consume you in a way that you can, it, it can be anything else in the world. Shift your focus. Quit looking among the dead for what's alive because he's risen today. God bless you. I love you. If you need anything, we're here for you.